Hello and welcome to episode 110 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Cully. As always, I'm joined by Bryson and Jacob. How are you guys? Doing great, Mark. Thanks for asking. How about you? I'm not bad. It's nice weather here in Ottawa. It's less than two weeks until opening day. It's very exciting. How are you, Jacob? I'm doing great. I was I was just about to mention that we are now less than two weeks away from opening day and you know, being a Leafs and a Raptors fan, I cannot wait for some other teams to start playing. Leafs not too, looking too hot right now though, right? Nope. It is awful. There was a loss yesterday, right? To the, was it the Flames? Yeah, they... It was bad. I'll put it that way. Not good. No, this is a, we're not talking them. We're not talking about them right Sorry. now. Sorry. This is a baseball <laughs> podcast. Um, but there isn't just good news this week in terms of baseball. Of course, it's exciting that we get closer and closer to opening day, but there's also some bad things. And we'll kick it off with the bad news. There is good news later, but bad news first. Thomas Hatch is injured this week on Wednesday against the Yankees. He was pulled after three innings of work. Looked like he had severe arm discomfort. He threw a pitch, um, was kind of flexing his fingers, walking around the mound, grimacing a little bit. He threw a couple more pitches, waved on the trainers, removed from the game. It looked really, really bad the day of. I mean, you know, no one was really saying it, but everyone was thinking Tommy John. That's what it looked like. It did not look good. It was all in the elbow. A lot of people were really, really worried. However, we eventually got some good news from the Blue Jay pitching staff and the Blue Jay training staff. Even though the Blue Jays were very, very, I guess, cagey in terms of the information they were sharing, they didn't give the exact results of the MRI that Thomas Hatch underwent, but Pete Walker said it looked good. They were encouraged by the way that um, Thomas Hatch was moving his elbow postgame, and they're hoping that this can just be a minor injury. So we're probably talking about you know, a couple weeks at the start of the season, if everything goes as planned, that he'll be missing out on. But then, I mean, in an ideal situation, he might be back by the end of April. And that's obviously a huge relief for the Blue Jays after what we saw could have happened on the game, in the game on Wednesday, and what we thought was happening um, right when he was removed from the game. Well, yeah, I honestly, I was worried. And when you see that that clip of him, he was clearly in a lot of discomfort. And I tried to not not really say too much and not not get as worried as as I thought I needed to be. And thankfully, with uh, Pete Walker saying he was encouraged by the way Thomas Hatch was able to move afterwards, it's a little bit reassuring to me. I don't think he's going to make the starting rotate or the the bullpen on opening day. I think he will miss a little bit of time, but it's hopefully nothing more than that. Obviously, he is a big part of this bullpen and. Maybe even an opener, I don't know, but I think this, hopefully this is nothing more than that for the Blue Jays, and they really are able to just rebound and say, okay, we'll make up for the for the little bit of time that he's away, and hopefully it's nothing more than that. Obviously, with Tommy John surgery, you know, a 12 to 18 month recovery is the absolute worst case scenario, and the last thing you want to do is you want to miss out on a guy for all of this season, and probably all of next season, or at least all of next season, or most of it, and Thankfully, it looks like that might not be the case, although we don't know too, too much. We don't know everything yet, but I'm not overly worried, and I'm just, hopefully, he's back by the end of April or mid-April or something, which is kind of what I predict to do, and maybe he takes the starting role, maybe he takes the the bullpen role. Uh, It'll probably be a bullpen role at the start, at least, if he is going into the starting rotation, just to kind of get him him into some innings, kind of work up to that that three, four inning type of... uh, type of role but I, I I'm not as worried as I think I should or not as I should have been or as, as I was initially so this 
is sort is kind of good news. Obviously, you don't want any type of injury, but with all things considered, I think this is the better of the of the scenarios that could have uh, come out of this. Yeah, this could have gone a lot worse than expected, and yeah, we were all thinking that those two words there, uh, the 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 day it happened, and then of course we didn't get a good look of it, but then of course they have the um, the cameras there at uh, Dunedin, so to broadcast it, so we did see where immediately he threw it right pretty much away in the dirt, and right away he called for help, and that's the best thing he did. He didn't even bother pitching through that, um, and we were talking about last week with Nate Pearson about how cautious they'll be. This is even this is a whole different story in terms of the elbow because one more bad movement and it it could get a lot worse. So this is a massive um massive precautionary like rehab they're going to do with him. And yeah, the best thing he did was call for help and stop pitching. So thank thank God it uh, it was better than what it was. The um the next day when we found out we're still waiting on the MRI results, but it doesn't look too good that he will be ready for opening day. So when you look at it now, that's two pitchers that are going to be key pieces to this team that are down and we're not even in game 1 yet. So that's that's a little bit concerning, and of course we know the question of the pitching depth. But now, when you look at it as well, uh, when you look at the projected rotation through multiple sites, I'm on, I'm on Fangraphs right now. So the first two stay the same in terms of uh, Ryu and Ray. It's followed by Rorick at three now, Steven Matz at four, Ross Stripling at five. And if that's not the order, it'll be probably the same names though. But when you look at it now, that's minus Nate Pearson. So, and then of course you have the possibility of Hatch. He he always was. A rotation option even if he wasn't going to make it so um, and he could have been someone maybe the Jays experiment with down the line throughout the year maybe he gets a few starts because he can start and he was being stretched out this spring and uh, he was doing really and he, he's only uh, pitched in two games but he's pitched four innings as well in those two games so they're, they're trying to stretch him out and um, he was definitely was going to be a rotation option maybe down the line and and then of course if st- people struggle like he, he would be around there and of course in the bullpen uh, for sure, but now this completely changes the entire story. He's likely going to start the year on the IL, and we really don't know how long he's going to take. The only thing we do know for sure it was better than originally thought, but not ideal right now when you lose two of your two young arms, um, regardless if it's in your rotation or bullpen. Someone um, on the the active roster, and now two people on the IL, which means it's going to be the depth's going to be tested even more. And we're not even in game one of the season yet, so hopefully Hatch can recover um, as quick as possible. But of course, the Jays. You can't blame them either, and I'm sure Hatch as well will be very cautious in terms of him uh, returning to uh, pitch within the next couple of weeks. We're also going to talk about Nate Pearson, but does this kind of ruin Thomas Hatch's chance of making the rotation? Because it, from my impression, it was kind of like Nate Pearson was injured, and then we started turning to alternate options, which included Thomas Hatch, which included you know those other names, Ross Stripling, guys like that. But now that you know we're expecting Pearson. Hopefully, fingers crossed, you know, he re-aggravated his groin strain this week, but maybe by, you know, by the end of April, early May, he's back. Does this mean that Thomas Hatch, who's probably on a similar timeline, is not going to be going into the rotation? I think it might mean that. I, I don't know how much Thomas Hatch was ever going to be a starter. I know the Blue Jays were stretching him out. I know they seemed like they wanted to at least take a stab on putting him in the rotation, but I think it was more of kind of just an opener, first two or three innings kind of thing. So I don't know how much of that was ever in the plans, but I think now it's kind of out the window because Nate Pearson and Thomas Hatch seem to be on the same recovery path. I'm not sure. I think if Thomas Hatch is to be a starter, I don't know if the Nate Pearson news and the comparison with their timeline would really influence it that much. 
I think what we need to look at is probably the rest of the starting rotation, kind of just because you mentioned, obviously, there are guys that we know are going to be in there with with Hyunjin Ryu, with Robbie Ray. Those two are staying. But when it comes to guys like Steven Matz or Tanner Roark, obviously, they, uh, Steven Matz has shown some promise in spring training. But I think with a long season, there's a lot of things that could go on. And if one of them is not performing or if something just absolutely goes off the rails, then Thomas Hatch is possibly an option. For some reason, I've always kind of branched Thomas Hatch and Anthony Kay together, and I think Anthony Kay probably has the the upper hand in getting a starting role, but I, I don't really think that the Nate Pearson news would negatively influence his ability to be a starter. I think if the Blue Jays wanted to, even if it was just in an opener role, I think they would fit him in somewhere uh, with Nate Pearson somewhere. you know, he, he I think Nate Pearson is a certified starter when he comes back, but with Thomas Hatch, I think they'll probably... If they want to, they might fit him in somewhere, and I think they would be able to. Uh, yeah, it's it's a tough one because when you look at it, it's um, with Thomas Hatch, of course, you know it's not good. And then with um, someone like Nate Pearson as well, you know, we unfortunately we were right about predicting it, something that we weren't too fond of at the time, but we did say um, it was going to take you know longer than exp- a little bit longer than what they initially thought, and of course he reaggravated a few days ago. Not a good sign. Uh, that whole idea now, I guess, of starting as an opener on opening day, that probably is out the window now just because he still hasn't pitched and he's probably going to need to get reps wherever the heck he goes. But, you know, with Thomas Hatch as well, it, it's interesting because I do think I'm going to stay to what I said last um, when I spoke a couple minutes ago. I think he will possibly start at some point this year. But in terms of opening the season as a starter, I never thought it was originally the plan. So even when he comes back, um, yeah, I don't think I I don't think it um, affected it too much because I don't think even from the start he was going to be that guy that's going to be starting uh, right away. But it's going to be depending on, of course, other people's performance. Jacob, you mentioned Stephen Matz. You know, if he doesn't start off too well, uh, the, and especially if a team competing, the Jays aren't going to hold on to him all year or in that same uh, responsibility. And of course, same thing goes with someone like Tanner Rourke. But hey, he's looked good this spring so far. If you want to take it. Uh, with wh- however you want to take it, but um, he has looked good, so I, I will give him that. But uh, for Nate Pearson, yeah, he's going to be right back to the rotation. And then, yeah, there's lots of options. There's Anthony Kay as well, Jacob. But yeah, you know what? I, I do think that Thomas Hatch is up there, though, in terms of people who are next in line to start, because they're starting to stretch him out now. And um, if they weren't stretching him out, obviously, it wouldn't have been the case. But it wouldn't have been the case. But with Thomas Hatcher stretching him out, and um, I do think they're really high on him in starting. And, you know, possibly he could jump someone like Anthony Kay, maybe not. But when you look at it right now, there's three lefties in the rotation. Um, so Ryu, uh, Ray, and Mats. So, you know, it's just that they, they you want to keep that left-hander in there. But um, it, it, it all depends. It's all going to depend on performance. But yeah, I never thought Hatch was somebody who was going to be starting right away, but one of those guys that are next in line compared to Pearson, who was already a lock to start. But I would, um, I would be, co- it would be interesting to see to experiment with Hatch starting at some point, regardless of how long it takes. Now, I just want him to get healthy and probably start in the bullpen and then start, you know, uh, pitching well in the bullpen because last year as well, he was one of the main pieces in the bullpen. So we know how. Um, how good and how much potential he does have. So uh, a little bit concerning so far, but yeah, uh, Pearson as well. Hopefully, mid-April, mid, mid April, he's back. But, um, you know, not not the best news uh, as a Blue Jays fan in terms of pitchers these last two weeks now. This is two people now. So you hope it stops for now because we're still playing spring games for another couple weeks. I hate to say I told you so, but last week we were all talking about how the Blue Jays need to be careful about ramping things up too early. 
for Nate Pearson, and then he re-aggravates his groin. Reports say he's very frustrated. Blue Jays are frustrated. Hate to say I told you so, but this is exactly what we were scared of. Exactly. It's exactly what we were scared of. And um, yeah, we, 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 we all said it. We, we hated to be wrong, but we've seen this too many times, and it's always longer than what they think. The same thing's going to happen with Hatch. But of course, the one thing that we didn't predict was Pearson getting a setback. So that's that's just something that it's already he's already down and you're just adding more to it and it's just like really like come on but hopefully hopefully it's sooner rather than later and hopefully hatch can go smoothly but of course um that's the one thing i'm concerned about and of course that's the one thing that you need to be even more cautious with is the elbow Mm -hmm. i'm just as much as i want to be optimistic about the season whenever i hear injuries it just it just sits with me the wrong way because it's not like the player is doing something to not earn their spot on the roster. You know, if you get injured, obviously it's not your fault, but it's just like, man, this team could be so good if they were all healthy. And we've seen teams that have have struggled in the past when they're just simply not healthy. And definitely one of the scarier things, especially when it's already happening before the season even starts, like before the, before the original 162 starts, before the 30 games or however many the, the playoffs could go, you know, before any of that starts, it's, definitely not a good uh, not a good sign yeah and it's obviously not great news it's not what we want to be talking about but let's turn now to some good news I know we've already talked about this guy so so much we've talked about both these guys a lot but Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Robbie Ray continue to impress Vladdy has been you know even since we talked about him last week he's been doing a lot better um, he's had hits in seven straight at-bats, okay? So going back in his last two games, March 16th, March 19th, he's had seven hits total, 11 total bases. He's had two doubles, a triple, three RBI. He's insane. He's batting 600, a slugging of 950, OPS of 1.617. I mean, like, there's nothing else to talk about with this guy because we've already talked about him, but it's insane that he continues to just hit at this pace hits in seven consecutive at bats like I don't care if it's spring training or not that's gotta mean something yeah when I look at his game log he's he's played against the Tigers the Phillies the Yankees okay there's actually a few more teams but he's played against the Phillies and the Tigers primarily since that that hitting streak has really gone up but I don't think that really takes too much away from this I think Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is about to hit a about to enter an absolute breakout season obviously we've heard about the weight loss and that's obviously at least right now, it's looking like it's it's starting to definitely help. He, obviously, in 20 games, as you just mentioned, Mark, he has 12 uh, hits, you know, 8 RBIs, hitting 600, which, you know, I, I'm no mathematician, but that's pretty good in baseball. So this is definitely a very, very good sign. And I think we all were kind of really high on Guerrero coming into the, into the spring training when we did our predictions. We all predicted this type of really, really good season from him. And I think he's really just proving people wrong to some type of degree obviously this is spring training these games as much as this is good these games really don't count in the long run but if this is what he's able to do now I think we can really predict a lot of good things coming in uh, coming in in April and hopefully around the entire season and playoffs yeah the make or break season but um for Vladimir Guerrero Jr but this is these are one of the like moments where you you wish like the season started now because of how hot they are and for Vladimir Guerrero Jr this is certainly helping him right now um his numbers like com- continue to rise each week. We talk about him. His OPS now is over, yeah, over sixteen hundred. So or one thousand, yeah. So it's it's insane. And of course, Robbie Ray too. Robbie Ray is the one I want to. Is kind of what I'm like more um, focused on or more like impressed by because 
Vladimir Guerrero Jr., uh, Jacob, you said it too. We're all expecting at some point, and we're very optimistic. Robbie Ray, on the other hand, I don't think anybody really expected this or expected him to be, you know, amazing. I think everyone expected him to be, you know, the guy who we usually see in terms of his career numbers, and that's the player he is, but he is exceeding it right now. He is going to be the second starter in this rotation, so he has no choice but to step up. But he is stepping up uh, big time. His uh, ERA is below two. He, and yesterday, too, in um, in Friday's game on the 19th, he pitched into the sixth inning. So he's starting to get stretched out a little bit now. He lasted five and a third, and um, his innings pitch continues to rise in four spring training games. So it, it's, you know, the sample size is getting larger, and uh, it, it's, it's working for him. His strikeouts are up, his walks are down, his whip is at .8, which is insane for someone... Or somebody who's had walk issues in the past, right? So, his, I mean, his career is around 130, probably a little bit higher. But it's it's insane right now at Robbie Ray. And, you know, a lot of people are wondering, like, who is this guy? Like, we don't know. Like, it's just weird to see. Um, or not weird, but it's surprising to see what's been going on so far. And, of course, it's hard to kind of follow the team as close as we can because of the non-televised games. But, of course, we're all on the same page or, or you know, the same boat where we're looking at Twitter pretty much every minute getting updates. And everyone continues to see the you know the the performance by Robbie Ray and it's insane so the one thing is he has to step up this year and especially with two arms down right now he ha- he's got no choice at this point so and he's going to be the second starter like I mentioned so he's going to start on that um, he's going to be starting right away and he'll be starting on that first series at Yankee Stadium so it's going to be interesting to see but Robbie Ray and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. both players so far who have just gone off to a, a spectacular start. And we're, we're over halfway through spring training now, so you hope they end on a good note. And you hope this carries over to the start of the regular season because, I mean, the way these guys are playing, these numbers are super inflated, which is good. And, uh, it, like, Mark, you like, yeah, I, I do think it means something. If the, if the numbers are this high, like, you know, if it was, like, regular numbers, you know, who cares? Like, um, most of the, other, uh, the others on the team. But these these numbers are standing out. These are eye-opening for both players, and um, they need both players, and especially Robbie Ray. That's the one I'm circling more on this one, but Vladimir Guerrero Jr., is this is exactly what we were all hoping for and what we've all been waiting for, so it's good to see. And um, yeah, throughout the regular season, this you got to hope this stays up, and you got to hope that this type of production is, you know, it's obviously not going to stay like this the entire year, but you hope, um, you hope that they're, you know, excelling and performing at this high standard. And I hate to beat a dead horse because I know we've talked about this like over and over and over again, but it's just so insane. You look at the numbers for Robbie Ray. He led all of baseball with 45 walks last year. He had 45 walks, 68 strikeouts. That worked out to a 1.51 strikeout to walk ratio. And again, it's spring training, but you look at the strikeout to walk ratio, it's at 3.6. He's had 18 strikeouts, only five walks. So regardless of, you know, the the quality of the opponents, you know, who he's facing, what's the lineup day in and day out. Of course, teams aren't having their starters out there. Starters are only going two, three innings. Now they're working up to five innings, stuff like that. But regardless of all that, you can boil things down and you can at least take at face value the strikeouts and the walks or the, you know, the strike to, to ball ratio. And you look at it, and 18 strikeouts to five walks, that's insane. I mean, I don't know. I don't care how you want to spin it, but that's just fantastic. Like, there's no other way to spin it. So, again, spring training. Again, I've said this a million times, but I just can't stop talking about it because I'm so excited for both of these guys to see what they have. Um, and really, like, you know, we talked about the injuries. We talked about how horrible that is. But Robbie Ray 
being the guy he's shown to be so far in spring training, that's like the best case scenario for the Blue Jays. Of course, Nate Pearson being injured, not the best case scenario. But Robbie Ray being back to his 2017 self, things couldn't get much better for the Blue Jays. I think the good thing you mentioned there was actually the strikeout to walk ratio this spring, because that was, I think, the biggest issue or biggest concern that pretty much everybody had, because obviously a guy that he's always had a good amount of strikeouts in his career, but the problem was is his walks is that they were pretty much on par with them. And as you mentioned, Mark, a 3.6 strikeout to walk ratio, he has 18 strikeouts this season or this spring training and only five walks in 13 and two thirds innings, which is, you know, Say it's against the Baltimore Orioles, say it's against the Detroit Tigers, you know, some bad teams, but I'm still taking it. I'm saying that Robbie Ray has definitely shown that he is able to pitch and he's showing that he's a good pitcher. He's not even, not only just a good pitcher, not on par with what he's done, but he's also improving. And we mentioned last year with the whole Pete Walker situation, really lowering those walks. And I think this is a good sign. I think that Robbie Ray is doing what we expected to do, which is lessen the guys that are on base and... If he does that, then I think he definitely has the potential to be an ace. And I know I probably use that word a little too loosely, but I think Robbie Ray definitely will be, or at least has the potential to be that number two starter that the Blue Jays missed out on. And, you know, I think the the biggest concern about spring training or going into spring training was Taiwan Walker, Jake Odorizzi. None of these guys were coming to, to Dunedin with the Blue Jays. And despite that, I think we were really expecting big performances from guys like Robbie Ray. And he's showing that you know, small sample size, whatever you want to call it, but he's still showing that he's able to pitch and he's able to do a very good job at it. And this is really, I think spring training has really eased a lot of the concerns that I had about the starting rotation. And Robbie Ray is definitely a part of that. Who would have thought Robbie Ray got Jacob a little bit more optimistic for this rotation? <laughs> what, what times are we living in? But uh, yeah, like even even with the healthy rotation, he was likely going to be that number two starter. So you knew his role this year was going to elevate, and his yeah his walk to or strikeout to walk ratio is um, it's insane because it's completely lopsided the other way. You know, a way that we're not used to seeing. And you know, he, when he came over here last year as well, this the walks were a problem when when he was in Arizona. The whole the whole wind up changed, but uh, Pete Walker helped him out, and his walks did drop with the Blue Jays. And now you know it's continuing to drop in the spring. So you have to figure you have to assume that they figured out something, and it's it's good because you know especially yesterday as well. He in his five point one innings, he struck out seven, and he only walked one. So that's pretty that's pretty lopsided, and that's a good thing. And that's only in five point one innings. So you know maybe he could have won a couple more in a right like in a regular season game, and it could have been a lot better. But it's it's amazing to see, and it, and Robbie Ray's the one I'm highlighted on with this one because you know we were expecting this more out of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. As much as we haven't seen it yet, we knew this was a lot more likely than Robbie Ray. All due respect, but this is this this is the best case scenario in terms of Robbie Ray uh, for this team, and we knew that this rotation was going to be depending on a lot of that in terms of people bouncing back or excelling their performance. And um, you know, yeah, take it at, take it as much as you want it from the spring training, but you can't tell me that as high as high as these numbers are that they don't mean anything. Like they, especially how much they've stood out compared to other people on the staff, other people in the lineup. It's great to see, and it gets you excited. So, you know, Robbie Ray, good for him. And the ultimate test begins in a couple weeks when his first starts at Yankee Stadium. So we'll see how that goes. And the Blue Jays purposely avoiding starting him against the Yankees, as they have been with Iron Jin Ryu, a couple other guys in a rotation. They've been purposely organizing things this spring to make sure that guys who aren't going to be on the Major League roster, like Alec Manoa, Simeon Woods-Richardson, those guys are getting starts against the Yankees. 
because they don't want to show all their arms in spring training in games that don't matter against the Yankees, which, first of all, I love the in-depth strategy of that. I think it's awesome that the Blue Jays are doing that. Yeah, they're playing mind games, basically, and I love it. But if you... I don't know how much we want to read into this, but Robbie Ray is saying all the right things about this. He told media after his start yesterday that he hasn't felt this good, this consistent on the mound since 2017, which again was his career year. In 2017, he had a 2.89 ERA in 28 starts. He was an all-star, led the league in strikeouts per nine. He had a strikeout to walk ratio of 3.07. So if he's anywhere close to that, this is best case scenario for the Blue Jays. It's very, very good. So I think we've adequately made up for the bad news to start the podcast. Some good news. We've got we've got news on Thomas Hatch. Oh. We do it's not too much, but it's right elbow inflammation. Still more info. So we we you know that it could have it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse. So that's that's a little bit optimistic that it's just inflammation. Okay. That's good news. As I was saying, more better than I was expecting, thankfully. Yeah. More good news to outweigh the bad news that we started the podcast off with. Um, But the other news from this week that has to do with the pitching staff, it seems like this is just a pitching podcast overall, except for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, Pete Walker said Kirby Yates will be the Blue Jays' closer to open the season, barring any drastic changes related to injuries, knock on wood, let's not speak it into existence, or um, just bad performance over the next few weeks. Um, Yates has only made one spring training appearance so far after elbow surgery last year, um, but he's scheduled to start today, Saturday as we record this, and also on Tuesday against the Phillies. Personally, I know you guys know this, I want Jordan Romano to be the closer. I have so much faith in him. Not that I don't have faith in Kirby Yates. I know Kirby Yates is an incredible pitcher. He's done some incredible things in his career. But I'm a huge Jordan Romano fan. I think he is the future of this team. You know, Kirby Yates, he's not with this team long term. Jordan Romano, he is. I think Jordan Romano is the future of the Blue Jays' bullpen. And I really want to see him get those high leverage outs. Maybe he will, right? I And credit to our counterparts at Blue Jays Center. They had a live with uh, Instagram live with Rashman Danny and Ben Wagner. Rashman Danny on that, he said, you know, Kirby Yates might be getting the closing role, but Jordan Romano, he's the guy you go to in the bullpen, right? You're in those high leverage situations, the situations where the game is on the line. It's not going to be Kirby Yates coming in. It's going to be Jordan Romano coming in. And I really, really hope that's the case because I think Jordan Romano, for better or for worse, is the best pitcher in this bullpen, and he is the future of the Blue Jay bullpen and the Blue Jay relief squad. So I really want to see him get those high leverage situations, be able to put himself into the conversation with the Blue Jays. I am really, really high on him. I want the Blue Jays to use him in the most important situations. Yeah, so I think with Kirby Yates, he kind of gives the Blue Jays a little bit more flexibility because, you know, obviously he if, if he is taking in those ninth innings, the last inning of the game, that gives you a lot of flexibility with guys like, obviously, like you said, Jordan Romano, somebody that I've been high on, Rafael Dolis. And even if Kirby Yates is the closer, which personally I would have put Dolis, I, I just, I liked what I saw out of him last season. It still gives the Blue Jays a lot of options, a lot of very good options late in the game. The thing with the closer spot is as much as I kind of want to say I don't care and just put someone in there, I do kind of want to see Rafael Dolis because as we saw last season, I think it was August 12th was the last time he gave up a run and he went on like 
15 straight appearances, including playoffs and whatnot, where he didn't allow a single earned run. And I think that's a very good sign. I think he's shown a lot of promise. And obviously coming back on a one-year deal, I, I guess that is maybe the one one difference. You don't want to potentially say, okay, you're our, our closer, and then you, you just you, you just leave next season. I, I don't know. But it, I think the Blue Jays are in a good spot, regardless if it's Kirby Yates or Jordan Romano or Rafael Delis. The... the the late innings, really the entire bullpen, but primarily the late innings, they're in very good hands for this season and even, I think, in the future. I think this is going to be an elite bullpen for a very long time. Yeah, the closing thing is an interesting because we were having a little bit of a conversation on our chat yesterday. But yeah, you know what? To start the year, I I think Kirby Yates gets the I think he should get the job to start the year. I'm not saying it won't happen at some point, And I think if depending on performance, um, <laughs> depending on performance, he definitely could lose that job, and I only think there's, and I think there's only one other p- person that can take it from him, and that's uh, I, that's Jordan Romano. I don't think Rafael, Rafael Dolis is anywhere close to. Well, I guess he could be considered for the closing uh, spot, but I think he's more suitable in terms of a setup man, late inning guy, because you need you need somebody to do that, right? Like it's just it doesn't make sense for not not to happen in terms of what they have for their depth. But Kirby Yates likely, and I think deserves, or I think should get that closing spot to start the year. And depending on performance, Jordan Romano can easily outplay him. I think long-term Jordan Romano is the guy, but I think for now Kirby H should be penciled in as the closer. So we all know last year as well, the closers, they didn't really have a closer. So after Ken Giles went down after the first couple of games. So we kind of got to see, um, I guess, everybody close. And Jordan Romano, of course, he was um, his, his season was cut short, but when he did... Uh, pitch. He only he had a couple of save opportunities and he closed out both, or he had two saves. So it's just that uh, he he didn't have a lot of opportunities, but he did close a few games. And other than that, it was Rafael Dolis who pretty much closed the other uh, games. And then, of course, Kirby Yates is coming in now, another guy you're depending on for a bounce back year. And we know what he he brought in 2019, and even before that, when you look at 2018, 2017, there are a couple good years he had. So it's just, um, or not 2017, 2017 didn't look too good, but either, either that, the past couple of years, regardless, 2018, 2019, um, he looked really good. And of course, 2019 was when he had an ERA below uh, 150 and and he was um, he was an all-star. So probably led in, yeah, led the league in saves as well. He had 41. So um, so for, um, for Kirby Yates, it's just... Um, yeah, I think for now he starts as the closer. So I, you know, even probably because of the age, probably because of that, all of that, I think it it, it leans towards him. But yeah, if Jordan Romano decides to outplay him at some points this year, then I'm fully on board with giving him an opportunity, and I think that's the next guy up for sure. And even long term, it could be Jordan Romano easily. So Kirby Yates, though, I'd like to see if the Jays give him a chance, and it looks like they will to um, perform and bounce back after the season he had last year, an injury plague season he had. So either way, it's going to be an important role for this team this year because, um, well, of course, any closer is important. But last year as well, we didn't really have one. So it's going to be a lot. The Jays are going to be in a lot better. Uh, they're going to be in a lot better spot this year with so far uh, a closer penciled in. To a large extent, this conversation is just kind of like semantics. Like we talked about it last week with the lineup, like Springer and Vizio. Like to me, it doesn't really make a difference. And I don't know why I'm so impassioned about the bullpen and about Jordan Romano closing, but. It's kind of the same thing, right? It is a flexible situation. I don't think the Blue Jays are set in stone at all. Like you said, Bryson, you know, it could be two weeks into the season and they switch things around. They put Romano in the closing spot or they go with a closer by committee with Romano, Delise, and 
Yates. Like, I, I don't think any of this is set in stone, and I think it is largely semantics that we are debating about who should get that spot. But, I mean, it's fun. It's entertaining. Regardless, the Blue Jays have a strong bullpen, stronger than any of us could have predicted just a couple years ago or even last year um, with some of the names that have appeared, whether it's AJ Cole, whether it's Rafael Dolis coming out of the blue and helping the Blue Jays out. Even Jordan Romano is a guy who, to large to, to a large extent, came out of the blue, right, and then pitched pretty much a perfect game in his first outings in the majors in 2020 because he didn't give up a hit for quite a long time. So it's a good situation to be in, and it ultimately it doesn't really matter, but I say Jordan Romano. Um, okay, so some other news we got this week that kind of slipped under the rug. It was a piece in The Athletic by Caitlin McGrath, and it just kind of got some coverage today. I think it was Keith Olbermann on Twitter who pointed it out, and then Hazel May picked it up. But um, in a Q&A with The Athletic, with Caitlin McGrath, um, Mark Shapiro said, I'll just read the whole quote, but he said this. What I'd say is we now have a demonstration of Major League Baseball protocols and our team's adherence to those protocols that have led us to conduct a shortened season and an entire spring training with zero cases. That's pretty significant. We've got fairly good information that the vaccine will be accessible to our players and other Major League teams in the next two or three weeks or months. So that if by the end of April or early May, all of our players or the bulk of our players and the staff are vaccinated and other teams are as well, and Toronto is a safe place, it starts to feel like the reasons for us not to be there, the risks start to be mitigated. I would say that when we start to have the material progress that we see the vaccinations actually happening, we will start to formalize an ask to the Ontario government, to the federal government. So the key part of this quote, I'm going to read it again, but the key part is we've got fairly good information that the vaccine will be accessible to our players and other major league teams in the next two to three weeks or month. That's big. I, I don't think we have gotten a timeline in any other place of when the vaccine is going to be available to players, but this is big. So if it really is available in the next two to three weeks or month, let's just call it a month, right? A month from now, April 20th, the Blue Jay players get their first vaccine. Let's say it's another month until they get all their second doses. They're all um, fully vaccinated. That's May 20th. All events in Toronto, all public events are canceled until July 1st. So you've got a significant timeline where the Blue Jays are going to be fully vaccinated if this is true. And events are canceled coming back July 1st, maybe. It opens the door for the Blue Jays to be playing in Toronto, like Mark Shapiro has said. I know, Bryson, you've been on this train for a while. But it seems like we could be in a situation, even if this timeline isn't true, because all American adults are supposed to be vaccinated by the end of May, that we could be finding ourselves with the Blue Jays playing in Toronto in July. I hate to put a damper on this, but I do not know if that is likely. With fans, I don't think is likely at all, but coming to Toronto is, I think that's a little bit of a different story. Look, I'm open to it. Like As much as I do like Dunedin, as much as I like Buffalo, I like the Rogers Center a lot more. And so from a fan's perspective, you know, obviously I want to see them play at their home ballpark, but... I just I, I don't know how likely it is. I think if the if the players get vaccinated, then that's fair, but I could... I think I could see the 
one of the levels of government because it has to pass through the Ontario and and the and the federal government. I could see one of them not being too keen on this. And if I remember correctly, back in June or July, whenever it was, the provincial government in Ontario allowed the Blue Jays to come to Toronto, but the federal government said no. And I think we also need to look at the the comparisons. the The NHL, obviously, all the Canadian teams are only playing each other; they're not leaving the country. And the Raptors are still in Florida, so obviously the, the Blue Jays are going to be playing later into the summer, and it, it's a little bit of a different story. I think the, the Raptors will be done a lot done a lot earlier than the Blue Jays will be done, so they're going to play later into the year. So I just I don't know. With all those things considered, I think it's going to take a lot of convincing. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I think in order for the Blue Jays to get this and to really be allowed to do this, they would have to not only convince the 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 government that this is safe, but also to, to the citizens that it's safe. Because obviously the the border is closed, and if if you start allowing you know travel and whatnot, our people are going to go to games. You know how how is that going to work? And I think it's it's really going to it's going to depend on not only the the players' vaccination, but also the people in in Toronto and really in Canada and Ontario their their vaccination. Because it, if I'm correct, I think by the end of September everyone's supposed to be vaccinated but by the end of I think or by early summer it's supposed to happen so it's just it's it's a lot later so I'm a little bit pessimistic I don't know how likely it is as much as I want it to happen it's just I I don't think that vaccinated players is unfortunately enough for for both levels of government to allow it it's gonna happen I'm full I'm changed my opinion out of fully certain (laughs) it's happening um look it's it's hard to compare them to other sports because First of all, the NHL set up their division, Jacob, obviously beforehand, and they're trying to get a season in no matter what. The playoffs are still undecided, or who knows, because they're eventually going to have to cross the border, right? So that, that that's eventually going to have to happen. And I know NHL players are starting to get vaccinated. Uh, NBA, of course, the same thing with the Raptors. They didn't start in time, and now the, vac- the vaccine process is being widely distributed. I'm sure they're beginning to get vaccinated as well. But the point is, like, They've like I don't understand what other boxes need to be crossed if MLB players are vaccinated, if the Jays are vaccinated. I'm I'm not sure what else like they're like what else do they want them to do because I'm pretty sure that fits all of the requirements. I'm unless there's something I'm missing because of the risk of spreading the virus. I mean the vaccine, we know what a vaccine is. So if players are vaccinated, how are you spreading the virus? I'm just, I, I, that, and then of course, and then when you take it from that, then what's the risk of having them play at Rogers Center? I just don't understand. They're still going to be probably isolated in their hotel room. I can guarantee you that. No one's roaming the city. It's just that, like, they got to come home at some point. And yeah, and I'm, I'm not even worried about fans, Jacob. I'm worried about teams coming back here. That's step one for this country. I'm not even worried about fans. The Jays made zero last year. They were playing in Buffalo. They had to revamp the stadium in a couple of weeks. I don't care about the re- I don't care about the revenue in terms of attendance. I want them. Step one is everyone coming back, and you know we're months behind the United States. And I think that's f- fairly fair to say. But step one is bringing them back, and summer July one. I'm gonna stick with it. Um, I don't think it happens before. I don't think it's something that they want to rush. And yes, the public events thing, Mark, you mentioned that was something that they implemented last year as well. And pretty much all public gatherings or whatever that is is banned until then. So. Um, you know, that's probably the earliest it can happen. Maybe that avoids them going to Buffalo or even if they go to Buffalo, 
maybe it's a very short stint in Buffalo, but I just, for some reason, I just don't, like, if if they cross all the boxes and get vaccinated, I don't understand what are the risks they're, they're giving to people because it just, it doesn't make sense to me unless there's something I'm missing about this virus, but I'm pretty sure that's what a vaccine does. So I'm, I would be pretty disappointed with the federal government if MLB players and the Jays get vaccinated and they're still not allowed to be here. I just, then I, then I, then I'm curious to know why, because that wouldn't make sense to me at all, but um, it's, it's good news and um, it's good news. And, you know, you hope everyone takes it or as many people as possible can take it. I think it's a massive game changer in terms of the return for obviously normalcy because people are rushing to get it distributed. And the United States is at a very good rate right now. We're still months behind. But yeah, the United States is around 100 million now. So that's it's really good news. And we're seeing uh, parks open up in the States. The Jays are going to be starting at Yankee Stadium with 20% capacity at Yankee Stadium. And we all know the story in Texas. Then they go to a full capacity stadium in Texas. And then they go back to Dunedin, a spring training facility. So it's going to be, it'll be weird. It's going to be a weird couple of weeks to kind of get used to. But of course, there will be fans in Dunedin. It just, there won't be a lot because obviously it can't hold a lot of people. But it's massive news. And um, yeah, I mean, the, the game changer for this, it's not about us. If those players can get vaccinated in the United States, you know, and, and, and here's the other thing too. It's, you know, it's not like they're jumping the line in the United States. Every adult, Mark, you said, from their plan is going to get back va- in the United States is going to get vaccinated by the, what was it? The end of May, end of April or May, one of those two. It, I don't see what's wrong with any of that. And I don't see why they can't come back if that's the case. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah. At some point it's like you run out of excuses to not allow the blue Jays back. Like you said, if everyone's vaccinated, of course, like yes, vaccines, whatever, 90% efficient. If it's Johnson and Johnson, whatever, 60% efficient. But like at some point you just, run out of excuses once all the boxes are checked there's just no more risk so i don't know like i'm coming around to it i wasn't originally on the bandwagon of thinking the blue jays would play here at all i I think in our prediction episode i put it at zero games that the blue jays would play in toronto but if all the players are vaccinated there's no reason for the blue jays to not play in toronto it just doesn't make sense and like, yes, this does come down to the federal government. Like you said, Jacob, last year, the provincial governor government gave the Blue Jays permission. It was a problem with the federal government, of course, crossing the border. That falls under federal jurisdiction. It's a matter of whether the federal government waives the Blue Jays um, for travel in terms of not having to quarantine. Now we know there's a hotel quarantine requirement. There's all these hoops and hurdles that the Blue Jays have to go through. But bottom line, once everyone's vaccinated, there's no reason they shouldn't be coming to Toronto. Um, there's no more excuses that you can run out for the Blue Jays to not getting here. I'm not saying that the Blue, that the federal government wasn't justified before for not allowing the Blue Jays to come here. I think they were. I think it made sense for, you know, everyone else has to follow these rules of the 14-day quarantine. I know, you know, my family lives in the U.S. I go to school in Canada. I traveled across the border. I had to quarantine for 14 days. Um, I had to have a negative test before I flew here. Like these are justified rules. And when there was no vaccinations, when cases were high, this made sense to not allow the Blue Jays to cross the border over and over and over again, just because of public health. But now that they're all going to be vaccinated, there's no more excuses. Um, It doesn't make sense to keep them on the other side of the border when there's no more risk, basically. So that's where I stand on this. I hope 
um, that we do get to see them come July. I don't think it's going to be July 1st. I think that might be a bit too immediate. Um, I would love, of course, Canada Day for the Blue Jays to be here, but I think July 1st is a little bit rubbing against the deadline of cancellation of all public events. So I think it might be a little bit more towards mid-July, maybe late July, depending on how the home stands line up. But um, there's just no more excuses now. There's no more reason if all the Blue Jays and players are vaccinated by that point, there's no reason why the Blue Jays shouldn't come across the border. I think I should clarify myself a little bit because, I trust me, I want the Blue Jays to come to Toronto. I, I I like the Rogers Center objectively. Like I really You're in want the hot them. Seat, Jacob. <laughs> I want them to come to Toronto. I just I have a weird feeling that come July, come you know whenever it is, I have a feeling that one of the levels of government is going to pull something where they say no, and I, maybe it's they don't get rid of the quarantine rule. I I, I don't know. I th- obviously the vaccine does change it. If you are vaccinated, then you know what are you quarantining for? This sounds irrational, but I just I do think that there's going to be some weird thing come mid July or even early July, early June, whenever they're you know finalizing this discussion. I, I do think that there's going to be some type of some type of weird thing that that kind of prevents it. It doesn't mean I don't want it. I th- I want to see this, and you know, like you just said, maybe mid July, probably August ish is is a little bit more likely. But I just I don't know, especially with this, with all these variants and the, the potential third wave that apparently has already started, you know, it, it depends on when that ends and when everything goes on. I think it's just, it's a very weird and hard situation to predict, even if it is, what are we in March right now? So like three, four months away from now, I think it's just, it's a, it's a tough situation to predict. So I, that's why I think I'm leaning more towards the end of the summer, j- just because I do see one level of government pulling something that even if I don't agree with or that I don't, you know, want to see, I want to see the Blue Jays play in Toronto, but I, I just, I do see something, something questionable coming up and, and happening. I I just don't know <laughs> what reason there would be to not allow them if they cross the check boxes, but we'll see. We'll see because I, they've been vaccinate okay i'm not even gonna get into this anymore i, I just don't <laughs> know what else it could like i be. said i want them to come to toronto yeah yeah. Just, I, yeah I just don't like i'm trying to think i just like, i don't know what's gonna happen yeah like, anything obviously yeah i just don't know <laughs> oh man no but i know like i know where you're coming from yeah like it makes Jacob. like I it's not that, yeah like the restrictions that i don't want to get too political here but the restrictions that you know the federal government has put in place aren't always logical right like as it stands now you have to test (laughs) you have to (laughs) you have to test negative three days before you get on a flight and come to canada you have to quarantine for three days in a hotel you have to test negative after quarantining in the hotel and then you have to go home and still quarantine for the full two-week period right so all those things it's like you could get rid of any number of those restrictions and still have safe cross-border travel with knowing that people aren't spreading it across the border so it's not always logical so you know maybe we get to a point in july where logically you would let the blue jays cross the border they're all vaccinated but things don't always follow the logical answer so maybe the blue jays aren't allowed and i understand that the federal government might make that decision but looking at the situation now i i just it doesn't make sense for them not to cross the border, it just doesn't make sense. I look at the um, the new the new NBA protocols, and pretty much one of the new protocols is if you're vaccinated, 
You don't have to wear a mask. You don't have to do any of that anymore. But I know this is a different, you know, different thing because we're dealing with federal and international territory and uh, different governments. Obviously, it's different, but it just proves that. Well, first of all, the NBA protocol is is showing the benefits you have individually, and of course, it could be a big difference if it's everyone as a team if you get vaccinated. So, yeah, I I don't know how I'd react, Jacob, because I'm. It's possible, like, I'm not even disagreeing with you. It just, it hurts to think about. But if they get vaccinated and they get denied again, I don't know how I'm going to react. <laughs> I just, I would be That's lost. The thing. I would like, be I don't confused. overly disagree. Pardon? I just, I don't overly disagree. I just, yeah, in the yeah, back yeah. of my mind, I'm just, something fishy oh, is, is I, I'm predicting yeah. is going to happen. Let's just, okay. I, let's just hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> I can also see, like, like, even if the federal government doesn't want to do this, because I feel like going back to like July of last year, July of 2020, like there wasn't political pressure for Ottawa, for the federal government to let the Blue Jays in. I feel like everyone just kind of understood like, yeah, it it's not totally a safe situation right now. It doesn't make sense to let them in. So I feel like the government felt comfortable making that decision. And maybe even there was political pressure in the other direction, pressuring them to not allow the Blue Jays in because there was, you know, people stuck on other sides of the border, not allowed to come across and see their family, not essential travel, that kind of thing. But I feel like if we get into a situation where the Blue Jays, all players are vaccinated, there is going to be political pressure. There's going to be a lot of people who are upset if teams, not only the Blue Jays, but depending what other leagues are playing at that point, you know, for other teams to come across the border and to play. So I think I, I I think we'll get to a point where the pressure outside of sports even, just families across the border trying to, you know, travel non-essentially if people are vaccinated. I think we can get to a point where that happens. But we'll have to wait and see. It's it's always a waiting game. There's so much that's unsure in our world right now. So we'll see what happens. Um the last thing to touch on today is not really a discussion point because I think we're all in agreement about this, but Charlie Montoyo, the Blue Jays picked up his option for next year. So he's going to be the Blue Jay manager until at least the end of 2022. Some people, of course, upset by this who don't like Charlie Montoyo. We know we disagree with his on-field decisions at some point, but seems like he's a good manager. It's not really him making those decisions a lot of the time. It's a lot of the time the front office is the one making those decisions. He's just the one who has to put them into play. I'm happy. It he the the front office likes him, seems to be doing a good job. Not much to say here. Yeah, I'm happy with this. I mean, look, Charlie Montoyo, he's their guy. The Blue Jays have, you know, they've grown up with him, I guess if you want to put it that way. They the players, the young players have really come up with him and I think this would just be a really weird spot to kind of get rid of him and have a new manager come in, you know, right as your competitive window starts. I mean, it could happen, but I just, I I highly doubt it. Uh, Ross Atkins said that, I think this is the thing that I agree with. He said that he, his collaboration with the players is, is great because I think that's really the thing. He, he is really like, he's one of the, one of the guys, I guess. I, I don't know if that's the best way to put it, but he's part of that group and, just I, I think he he fits well with this team. The one thing I kind of thought was interesting, and I mean Ross Atkins kind of had to say this, but he he Atkins said about Montoya that his instincts are incredible. I think they're a work in progress, but <laughs> I, I'm willing to sit through that process. I, I don't think that Charlie Montoya is overall a bad manager. I think that he I, I like what I'm seeing with it from him, 
and I think he'll he'll definitely be the Blue Jays guy, and he is their guy at least for the next couple season. And who knows, maybe he he finishes the Blue Jays' competitive window for most of the decade with them. Yeah, it's it's not surprising for Charlie Montoya to be picked up, and um, Mark, I'm I'm kind of happy that you you're on board with it as well. So we get an extra year of Montoya, and um, I'm just looking forward to some of the dis- like discussions we're gonna have this year in terms of some decision making because it's coming, it's coming. <laughs> I can't wait, but um, you know, hopefully everything goes <laughs> to plan. And he's he's just he's a really likable guy, and he's a good he he is a good leader in the clubhouse. You know, he's probably still learning, and um, I just he's the right guy for the job. He's the guy that they brought in following John Gibbons, and um, I'm happy that he's here. So I think the players like him as well. And there's not really too much to say because not, not, nobody's really surprised. So um, good to have him for another year, and I'm sure he will be here longer than 2022, but obviously that's something that they'll deal with once um, it eventually expires. But good to have him back. And, um, you know, I, I just think he's a really likable manager around, I guess, the fan base and around the team. Well, most people, obviously. So um, it, it's good, but I'm happy, and um, I think he'll be here a little bit longer than that. But, of course... When the time comes, they'll they'll work that out. But you know, good to have him back, and um, yeah, I can't wait for can't just can't wait for that 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 day when we have a couple discussions about some of the <laughs> stuff because I know I, I know Mark, you love it even. More. Yeah, I have a love hate relationship with Charlie Montoya. I some of his some of the like I said his de- I know it's not him making these decisions. I know it's not him pulling Matt Shoemaker after three innings. I know it's not him deciding to, you know, roll out Lourdes Gurriel Jr. seventh when he's hitting 300 instead instead of putting him fourth in the lineup. Like, I know it's not him making these decisions. It's just infuriating, and he's the scapegoat. So I have a love-hate relationship, but I'm sure we'll cross that bridge at some point this season. Um, okay, well, you know, two weeks from now, episode 112, we're going to be starting the season, but for now... Still bearing our way through the rest of spring training. We'll wrap things up there. Thank you to everyone who listened to this episode of Section 138. As always, you can support our Patreon at patreon.com slash section 138 pod. The link will also be in the description of this podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at section 138 pod. And you can rate and review our podcast on iTunes. All right, we'll catch you next week. And soon we'll find our paradise, paradise so